your Locked On Penguins, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this Monday afternoon edition of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. You can go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. So a lot to get to for today's episode. We have to recap uh, both games for Pittsburgh. I'm not going to spend uh, too much time on the New Jersey one. I'm going to be spending most of the time on the Boston one, but uh, two outstanding wins for the Penguins this weekend. I mean, yesterday, I'm going to say this right now, uh, they sent a message to the rest of the league. Um, everyone that listens to this podcast, you watch the games on a nightly basis like I do. This team is back. They mean business, and they are a Stanley Cup contender. I was not sure if they were going to get to that big level this season just because there are a lot of question marks with this team coming into the year, but they are a bona fide Stanley Cup contender as I see it right now with only seven games left. They're in first place, and I really think that they can give you know Tampa Bay, Vegas, Colorado, those other teams that are not in their division, excuse me, um, one hell of a series. They are a huge threat, I think, to win the Stanley Cup. And oh yeah, they're still without Evgeny Malkin right now. So a great time to be a Penguins fan, especially with how they're playing. You know, I guess I'll start with the New Jersey game a little bit. Uh, finishing six and one and one against the Devils this year. That's great. They're eleven and two and one overall against Buffalo and New Jersey. You know, that those were the games that a lot of people, including myself, were scared of just because the Penguins have played down to shitty competition in the past. But they only have two more. Uh, combined games left against those two teams. Uh, they both will be against Buffalo, uh, the final two games of the regular season. And actually, just about 30 minutes ago, the NHL announced that the Penguins' last game of the regular season, I believe that's on, what, May 8th, uh, it is now a 3 p.m. start, not a 7 p.m. start. So if any of you all that listen to this podcast are going to the game or were thinking of going to the game that day, just note the schedule. Time change, 3 o'clock, not 7 o'clock. I believe that is now Fan Appreciation Day and not Fan Appreciation Night. But overall, with that performance against New Jersey, um, you know, great lockdown defense in the final nine minutes after the New Jersey cut it to 3-2. to two. I know Hughes scored their first one. I think Miles Wood cut it to 3-2, but they really didn't allow anything after that. You know, I know in the final few seconds it got a little too close because Sid made a bad play in the neutral zone and the Devils had a couple really good high-quality chances to tie it. As After that, though, you know, Sid iced the game with 0.1 seconds remaining and a 4-2 win. It's also nice to see Jeff Carter get another goal. That's, I think, his second goal now. And he continues to be such a great fit with Pittsburgh. You know, him and his line of Jason Zucker and Jared McCann. Um, I think that needs to be the Penguins' third line when Malkin and Tanev come back. You know, maybe they can put Tanev up with Malkin and Kapanen. Maybe they put Rodriguez up there with Gino and Kapanen. But you have to leave the McCann, Carter, Zucker line intact because I think that has a lot of real HBK vibes going right now. The way they are just controlling the shot attempt share virtually now every game, the, the scoring chances share. They are basically living in the offensive zone every single time they step foot on the ice and it's just it's awesome to see Carter really reinvent himself with the Penguins I'm going to get to his effort uh, against Boston in just a little bit here with how he basically dangled two Bruins players slowly skating up the ice and then created a scoring chance I think that was uh, early on in the first period but you know just great game from him and he continues to look awesome in a Penguins uniform Brian Russ has another 20 goal season I'll continue to say this I have no idea how he is only signed for $3.5 million per right now. That is, I think, a top five bargain deal around the NHL. If he were to hit the open market, he would easily probably 
fetch five to six million per year. He has been that good with Pittsburgh over these last few seasons and has continued to transform himself into a dynamite top six player. I remember, you know, when he first came in the league, you know, he kind of reminded me of like a little Bobby Farnham. Okay, he's fast, but he doesn't really have any hands. You know, then the 2015-16 playoffs came around, was great at scoring there, 2016-17. You know, kind of regressed a little bit, but towards the end of the season, played well. Obviously, in the playoffs, he was great. 2017-18, really started to get better. And then 2018-19, and then last year, and then into this year, he has just become a different player. Basically, he's just scoring goals virtually every game now for the Penguins. He was their leading scorer, of course, last season with 27 goals, has another 20-goal season this year as I already said in a full season I know it's only been what 49 games uh, he would be on pace for around 35 to 40 goals right now so he continues to be awesome and then the other goal scorer in that game who has had the best season of his career I think to date is Jared McCann gets his what 13th goal on the season another one on the power play and yes everyone I am starting to warm up to the idea of leaving Jared McCann on the top power play unit and maybe giving Evgeny Malkin his own power play unit. I have never been a fan of that just because I love what Sid and Gino can do together on the same power play unit. They're both outstanding playmakers and obviously can score from anywhere. Um, but with what McCann is doing right now, I don't really think they'll lose a beat if Malkin has his own unit just because if you think about it, he can have potentially Jeff Carter on there, who is you know playing really good. Jason Zucker, John Marino, maybe Mike Matheson, and Kasperi Kapanen. And I honestly think that's a really good second unit. And I did make a Twitter poll on the Locked On Penguins Twitter account just to see what everyone is thinking right now. Just with you know, do you want to put Malkin reunite with the big guns, or do you want to have his uh, own unit? So I think I've kept tallying about 15 votes so far. 57% of you want a separate unit for Gino, and then 43% want reunited with the big guns. Irish AJ actually had a really good comment. Sid McCann, Gino, Jake, and Latang. Maybe McCann shot is why he's over Rust. And then Rust, Carter, Captain Marino, Matheson. 2D only due to the fact that the second unit gets on ice with the power play usually expiring. Yeah, I mean, I think that's how you would do it if you want to keep Gino on the top unit. And honestly, it's still my preference, but like I said, I'm warming up to the idea of having Gino on his second unit because you still could go Sid, McCann, Jake, Latang, and Brian Rust. And then you could go Carter, Kapanen, Marino, Matheson, and then put Malkin down there. And I honestly think even if you just split them power play minutes, say, you know, one minute for Sid's one and then one minute for Gino's one, that is still a threat to score for those entire two minutes because obviously the threat goes down once the top guns go off the ice. That's how it always is when your power play is so stacked. I mean, Washington's is the same way. I'm, I'm not going to fear Washington's power play when, you know, Backstrom goes off the ice and uh, Ovechkin and Oshie and John Carlson and et cetera, et cetera. So I really think the Penguins have a lot of options right now for when Gino comes back because that comeback is coming. I mean, he's already back skating at practice. I don't think the Penguins practice today. They play tomorrow night against Boston again. I don't think he'll play in that one, but they probably have a practice day on Wednesday. I think he'll be there for that in an actual contact jersey. And I think there's probably at least a 60% chance that he suits up for Thursday in Washington and then Saturday especially too because those two games will probably be for first place in the East Division as Pittsburgh has leapfrogged the Capitals as of right now. But overall with the power play, like I said, my overall thoughts, I really don't think you can take Jared McCann off that unit right now. I think if you were to put Evgeny Malkin back on that top unit, 
I think the player to come off of it would be Brian Russ. And I know that may seem a bit weird to some fans because Brian Russ has had another 20-goal season. He's been great on that power play as well. But, you know, you're putting a world-class player of Evgeny Malkin on that unit, and I think Russ would be totally fine on a second unit. Though, I also, like I said, I'm warming up to the idea of just leaving that top power play as is with how hot it is right now and how it's gotten into the top 10 in the league, and then just putting Evgeny Malkin on his own unit, put Jeff Carter on there, who's a really good volume shooter and a good playmaker, Kasperi Kapman, who's a great finisher, has been playing awesome this season with Pittsburgh, and then uh, Mike Matheson can walk the point, or you can put him in Geno's old spot, kind of, and then John Marino can basically just uh, quarterback it a little bit as well. So the Penguins have a lot of options, and yeah, it's a damn good problem to have, I'll say that. So I don't envy Mike Sullivan in that situation just because of how well the power play has been and how awesome McCann has been this season, especially on that unit. And overall, honestly, his 5v5 play has been just as good. And yes, I am always on the train for hashtag extend Jared McCann, give him three and a half, four million per. He has deserved it and then some this season. And yes, another shout out to Cody CC. He continues to absolutely kill it. I thought he had another goal on Saturday, but it was deflected, of course, by Ryan Russ, which got him his 20th goal of the season. But he can- continues to be awesome. Remember that stat I threw out there from uh, Danny Shirey Irving on last week's podcast? Um, he leads the league in points for defensemen at 5v5 since March 27th. Uh, hashtag CC for Norris is now what I'm going to be starting up. You know, just just kidding, of course, but I think he deserves to be extended by Pittsburgh. And like I said, if for those who have not listened to this before, my contract for CC would be around two years, two to two point five million per. I think that's perfectly reasonable. Um, he has been great with Matheson on the third pairing this year. Just a one thousand percent upgrade over Jack Johnson and Justin Schultz, who were just absolutely garbage the last couple of years. And then. Uh, before I go to the commercial break, shout out to Casey DeSmith. I thought he played a very good game on Saturday. The two goals that he gave up were not his fault. One of them was just a weird bounce. The other one, um, just a hell of a shot. And he continues to have a very strong season as a backup. Probably will not be the playoff starter, and for good reason, because Tristan Jari is playing damn good right now as well. But um, great job by DeSmith in that game. And I think he probably has a couple more starts here down the pipe before um, he'll probably be on the bench for the playoffs. I think the next start he'll get is against Philadelphia next week. They play a back-to-back in Philly. I think it's next Monday and Tuesday. I have to double-check that, though, but I believe that's when um, the last back-to-back of the schedule is for the Penguins and DeSmith. You'll definitely get one of those starts, and rightfully so. And maybe um, if those last two games against Buffalo don't mean much to the Penguins, I could totally see DeSmith getting a start there as well for obvious reasons. But that'll wrap up this first segment of the Locked On Penguins podcast. Coming up in the next segment, we're going to go all into that Bruins game and why this team is a true Stanley Cup contender right now. I mean, they go to dig a bit into the underlying numbers, look at how the Penguins played defensively, talk about some Tristan Jari, Sidney Crosby versus Bergeron. I know that's been a hot topic on Twitter for the last 24 hours or so. I have my take on it, so you don't want to miss that. But before we do that, it's time to get to uh, 1010, a capsule collection of diamond rings that are responsibly sourced, limited edition designs at fair price points. It's an exclusive collection of 10 creative styles of diamond rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Rings sure to bring joy into her life. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 female design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful ring, ideal for engagement, Mother's Day, or simply a beautiful conversation piece. They're the perfect way to bring light into her life. They're available now through Mother's Day only at BlueNile.com. Just search the words 10 by 10 It features high-quality fine jewelry that will surprise and delight and fairly priced so you can give her something special and truly meaningful. 
if you're on the hunt for the perfect unique financial treasure forever you're definitely going to want to check this out they won't be around for long so find them now by searching the words 10 by 10 only at BlueNile.com. all right welcome back to this episode of the locked on penguins podcast i'm your host hunter hodes remember to follow me on twitter at hunter hodes follow the show's twitter at lo underscore penguins so Let's talk about how much fun that game was yesterday because I think that was the first time since the return to play playoffs against Montreal last summer that I actually stood up for most of the game and watched it, had my hands on my head a little bit. I've been just mostly, you know, watching the games, uh, sitting down this year just because, you know, it's the regular season, you know, you don't have to stand up and watch games until the playoffs usually. But yesterday it just had that playoff feel. I would love if these two teams did meet in the playoffs. I know it's probably not the best matchup for Pittsburgh, and I'm going to get into that, you know, right now. I know the Penguins, of course, had that one nothing win. Um, there have been some people that say, you know, well, P- Pittsburgh should be rooting for, to play Boston. I'm just a little hesitant on having them as my preferred matchup just because 2013 PTSD from watching Tuka Rask go 980 and just the Penguins losing their way against them. And, you know, obviously he, Tuka Rask is not going to be 980 against them in this series. And I don't think the Penguins are going to lose their way like they did those eight years ago. It's a completely different staff, com- different team and all that. But just something about the Bruins just kind of makes the Penguins go a little bit crazy. It's not, like I said, it's not what it was in 2013, but still to this day, they drive the Penguins a bit nuts, I think is the word for it. And they always have struggled playing in Boston. Like I said, they only have one win in Boston in their last seven years. They actually broke that uh, this year. But that being said, if you look at the Bruins lineup and their defense, you know, the four groups outside that top line, there is not a lot of depth there, which I'm also warming up to the fact that maybe it's not as bad as I make it out to be, but I'm also just really scared of that Marshawn Bergeron Pasternak line. And yes, I'm going to get into the Sidney Crosby talk here right after this. But if you look at their depth after that, they have the Hall, Craig Cheek, Smith line, which is good, but is it better than the Penguins second line when healthy? No, it's not. But then you look at the Bruins bottom six and the Bruins bottom six was an absolute joke yesterday. I saw some stats from... um. Uh, 404 Responsco, who like, I, I've said on the podcast so many times, please go follow him. He does, has a lot of great Penguins tweets during the game. Um, if you look at the Bruins line stats, these come from Money Puck. Um, Hall, Craig Cheek Smith had 27% of the expected goals, 37% of the Corsi, so shot attempts. Uh, DeBrusque, Lazar, and Coyle, 35% of the Corsi, 17% of the expected goals. Richie Corrali Wagner, which is the Bruins' fourth line, 16.9% of the expected goals, 36.4% of the Corsi. That is absolute dog shit. And I had honestly no idea, just because I don't follow the Bruins that much, that their bottom six consisted of DeBrusque, Lazar, Coyle, and Richie Corrali Wagner, and that it was that bad this year. Because you look at a player like Charlie Coyle, and it's like, wow, you know, pretty good player, right? I mean, good solid depth, third line player, can play center. Apparently, I didn't know that he hasn't scored a goal in 27 games this year, and I think that contract is pretty bad as well. So yeah, he's been a major disappointment in Boston this year. So the Penguins definitely have the depth advantage. If you look at Boston's defense, Charlie McAvoy's having a Norris caliber season. He would be my Norris pick as of right now. After that, they have Matt Grizzly, who's all right. Mike Riley, he's eh, I mean, he's fine. But after that, there's just not any good defensemen there. Um, in net, obviously, Tuka Rask is great, but you know Swayman's been playing well. Uh, Vladar has also been playing well for Boston. I, obviously, Tuka Rask is going to start in the playoffs if he's fully healthy. But I guess what I'm trying to say is it's not that nightmare matchup for Pittsburgh that it was in years past. My point is that I would rather play Washington and the Islanders 
over them because Pittsburgh's had better results this season against them. And I think they match up better against them than they do against Boston. And, you know, I guess I'll get to this uh, Bergeron versus Crosby thing. I'm of the opinion, uh, in case you all did not see this on my Twitter, I'm of the opinion that matching Sidney Crosby against Patrice Bergeron is a little bit ludicrous because I'd rather them just put Sid against any one of the other Bruins lines and then he can just go to work with his line. And you know, same with Evgeny Malkin when he returns. And now I understand what the naysayers will say in response. And that's, well, you know, what other line can shut down that perfection line? Sid's the only one that can do it. And my response personally to that would be, I think the Bluger aston Reese tanev line can do it. And I think they can also attack a bit. They've been one of the best shot suppression lines in the league when they're fully healthy. They were outstanding last season. And I understand going up against Marshawn Bergeron Pasternak is a huge chore. But Sid did all right yesterday, but I think he still conceded nine chances against only 5-4. I mean, they, he did hold his own, believe me. He absolutely did. He's making a case to be a Selkie finalist, potentially even win the Selkie this year. But can Sid do that for a seven-game series against that line? That's just my number one question. And like I said, I understand the opposite end of it because you allow Sid and Bergeron, their lines to cancel each other out, and then you trust your other lines to go win you the game. I 1000% understand that, but I would rather have Sid create a mismatch with his line against one of the other three Bruins lines and the same with Gino's line so that they can win the game there and then have the Bluger line, which has been pretty good when healthy and Bluger has really come into his own offensively this year, especially, and he's been great defensively as well. Have them go out against the Marshawn Bergeron posture line and see how they do against it. But that's just my personal opinion. I know some other people are going to side with the other side of what I'm saying. I understand that. I'm willing to give it another chance on Tuesday to see how Sid does against Bergeron. I just think it's just a little ludicrous to have him go against him every single shift because of how Bergeron plays defensively in his own zone. He's the best defensive center in the league. I mean, the Selkie Trophy is basically the Bergeron Trophy at this point anyway. So we'll see. If I eat crow, I eat crow on it. It won't be the first time I eat crow on something, and it won't be the last time I do it either. But, you know, going back to the game overall, just what a defensive clinic it was for Pittsburgh on Sunday. Um, If you go to natural stat trick, um, and you look at the underlying numbers overall. I, I tweeted this out yesterday. If I can go find um, the tweet, because basically the entire game was played at 5v5 until the very end, where uh, Gensel, um, there was a high-sticking penalty, took a, basically a stick to the face, and I think Bergeron went to the box. Um, I'm, I'm sure Bruins fans are going to be complaining about that until the end of time, because for some reason they decided to do it with Sidney Crosby. Um, so at for overall for the performance yesterday, the Penguins had 53% of the shot attempts, 84% of the high danger chances and 69% of the scoring chances for nice number of course um for the high danger at 5v5 in all situations 11 to 2 in favor of the penguins 53% of the shot attempts and this team played not even 24 hours prior to that that is a masterclass performance from the penguins if you look at the heat map um and you know offensive zone unblocked shot attempts heat map the penguins had a lot in front of the net for boston but for the bruins in front of pittsburgh's net they had a little bit from about you know 15 to 20 feet out but basically nothing in front of the net the penguins really just made them play like i said 15 to 20 feet out they had a little bit to the right side of the net a little bit from the points but pittsburgh did an outstanding job defending against boston like i said i think this is honestly the best defensive performance of the season and mike sullivan has 
been playing, at least in my opinion, their best defensive hockey since 2015-2016 when they steamrolled everyone from March on when they really started to get hot. I mean, this is just lockdown defense from Pittsburgh. And it's one thing to shut a team out and play well, but it's another thing to not only shut a team out, but shut a team completely down where they only have two high-danger chances overall throughout the game. This was, I think, again, I'll say it, the Penguins' finest performance of the season. And again, a message to the rest of the league that the Pittsburgh Penguins are back. They mean business. They're ready to contend for a fourth Stanley Cup of the Sid Gino era and that they can beat any team in this division in a seven-game series. I will keep shouting that into the void for uh, the end of time. This team can 1,000% beat any of these three other teams in the division in a best-of-seven series, and I wouldn't put it past them to potentially uh, beat Tampa Bay in a seven-game series if they're fully healthy, Colorado, or even Vegas, or whoever comes out of the North Division. That game yesterday really was a statement win. And these are the kind of games that Pittsburgh, they're going to have to win in the playoffs. Those very low scoring games going into the third period. Obviously this one 0-0. And then not even, what, five minutes in, Gensel makes them pay within the slimmest of margins. I loved that pass from Brian Dumlin to get it to Crosby along the boards. It's one of those underrated plays that I think goes unseen or unnoticed during some of the games this season for the Penguins. But he was engaged in a heated board battle, got it to Crosby, who got it to Gensel, and he makes no mistake with it and goes top cheese on Swayman. That's all it takes for Jake Gensel to strike. Like I said, it's the slimmest of margins, gets another goal on the season. I will also continue to shout this into the void. Gensel is a top five pure goal scorer in hockey. I understand he's not up there with Alex Ovechkin, David Postchanuk, and Austin Matthews. But after that, you know, Miko Rantanen, Gensel, Leon Dreisaitl, I think uh, those three right now, you can put them anywhere from four through six, and you wouldn't hear an argument from me. Personally, I would have Dreisaitl at four, Gensel at five, Rantanen at six, but I also could see why people would argue to put Rantanen at five and maybe Gensel at six. But like I said, for me personally, Gensel is a top five pure goal scorer in this league. You know, you're always going to have the naysayers out there saying, well, you know, he plays with Sidney Crosby, he plays with Sidney Crosby. Enough of that garbage. He's a great playmaker, even away from Sid. You should just see what he did last season when Crosby was out for over a month with his hernia. He still was producing at an insane clip with Evgeny Malkin. I think he had 43 points in 39 games before he got hurt. And here's a cool stat for you. Out of Gensel's one, last 170 points, 81 of those points have been goals, or I think over the last couple of seasons. So he has been a rock for Pittsburgh, and I'm so excited that he's here, um, not just for the short-term future, but for, I think, the long-term future as well. And I think that's my main takeaways from this game. I thought Jeff Carter had another solid game with Pittsburgh. That play and the first period that really struck out to me, I talked about it earlier on in the podcast, but it's basically slowly skated the puck up the ice with two Bruins nearly converging on him, and then boom, dangles both of them, creates a scoring chance and a high danger opportunity. I know it doesn't go in, but those are the kind of little plays that I hope Jeff Carter continues to make down the stretch and into the playoffs here, and he's been such a force since coming over from Los Angeles. Like I said, the lines, before I get to the next seven, what I would do right now, what I'm leaning towards, Gensel, Crosby, Rust, uh, and with how McCann, Zucker, and Carter have played, I would keep that line together, maybe go Tanev, Malkin, Kapanen, and then Aston Reese, Bluger, Rodriguez, or if you want to reunite Tanev down with Aston Reese, Bluger, maybe you can put Evan Rodriguez up there. Um, I'd probably prefer the Tanev one, though, just because we saw what Evan Rodriguez did in a top six role um, in the earlier parts of the season, and I don't really think that would be too good of an idea. I think if you leave him in a bottom six role, he would be totally fine as he's been the last 
three to four weeks. But these two teams will play again on Tuesday, last meeting of the season until the playoffs. And we'll see if the Penguins can continue to remain in first place. After that, they will go to Washington to play the Capitals for the final two times of the regular season. But all right, that's it for this segment. Coming up in the next segment, we have some NHL TV news. As it was announced that NBC is no longer going to be broadcasting games next season. They will not have the second package along with ESPN. That'll be Turner Sports. And we'll also get to a couple other listener takeaways. But before we do that, it's time to talk about Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA and the NHL are in full swing. It covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. You can get real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. It has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up for. You can head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's been online. Your online sports experts with a promo code locked on. And finally, we cannot forget about Bill Bar, 18 amazing flavors, six new ones. Cookies and cream, caramel, brownie, carrot cake are the big ones, 12 originals. Coconut, almond, raspberry, German chocolate, peanut butter. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They are soft and easy to chew. My favorite flavors, again, is still the cookies and cream. 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net cards. You can go to billbar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at billbar.com. All right, so we're back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. So the big news of the day-to-day around the league. Um, so NBC is done with the NHL. So TNT will have the second uh, TV rights deal. I think it'll be a seven-year contract. Andrew Marchand, I'm reading the article from him, but uh, Sports Business Journal had it first. And then Bob McKenzie reported that it would be uh, Turner Sports that will be getting the second TV rights package deal. Um, and in case anyone does not know what Turner Sports is, that will be TNT. Um, I'm not sure if TBS will be involved, but I know TNT will. Um, TNT has done uh, the Final Four. They have done the NBA with the Inside the NBA show with Shaq and Charles Barkley and a whole bunch of NBA games on there. And I think they picked up something else this year as well. So it's been a good year with them. Um, also, I think there's potentially going to be uh, HBO Max might be involved in this as well. But my overall thoughts on this, this is great news for the NHL. And I wasn't expecting much going into uh, this new TV rights deal package just because they did so bad in the past by somehow um, signing with NBC for 15 years and only having them as the primary rights holder. I don't really know why they didn't choose any other network. But, you know, this is the fresh start that the league needs, especially with new play-by-play people and new analysts in the game of hockey. In my personal opinion, I think NBC has been way too stale for too long. I mean, we don't need to hear what Pierre Maguire is going to say during games and where this player is from and where he played his little peewee in bantam hockey. We don't need to hear Mike Milbury say something stupid about grit and toughness. We don't need to hear... Eddie Olchek commentate on games. I never really thought he was that good. Um, The only people I'd honestly bring over from NBC to one of those two networks is Brian Boucher, who does a great job, John Forslund, and Kenny Albert. I think the rest probably don't need to come over. Maybe Patrick Sharp. um, I think Liam McHugh and Catherine Tappan will do their own thing with football in the Olympics. And I don't think anyone's going to hire Pierre Maguire. But I think this has been a long time coming. I mean, you know, gone now are the days where NBC is putting on horse racing during a hockey game or starting games when it's supposed to be at 3 o'clock. We're starting games at 3.25 or 3.30. I mean, that is just freaking stupid. When you say you're going to start a game at 3 o'clock, you know, 3.08 or whatever, make it at that time. Don't make it 3.25 or 3.30. If you're going to start the game at 3.25 or 3.30, just say you're going to start the game at 3.25 or 3.30. You know, literally yesterday, it was around 3 o'clock, I put the game on. 
they were doing all these features and they finally dropped the puck at 325. I, I literally went to the store and back in 25 minutes with my girlfriend because I'm like, well, you know, NBC's at it again with their shenanigans. And, you know, like I said, that's something I'm definitely not going to miss. And I really don't think they promoted the sport as much as they should have during games. You know, the big example I'll use, they're throwing all these Chicago Blackhawks games out there during these last few years when the team is in the basement of the standing. Same with Detroit. Like, no one wants to watch a Chicago-Detroit game on your Wednesday night hockey edition when there's plenty of other great games between high prolific teams that are playing on the same night like no one wants to watch two basement dwelling teams go at it I mean you you look at ESPN with Monday Night Football usually they have really good matchups every week the Sunday Night Football game with NBC with how they do that usually again game of the week MLB Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN another really good game that they usually have so NHL badly needed to get away from NBC and I'm really excited to see what play-by-play commentators and analysts they bring in here especially with Turner Sports I think they've done a great job with the NBA. They've added a lot of personality to the shows there and to the broadcast. I think that's something, again, that the NHL really needs. Just because none of these shows or none of these broadcasts have any personality. It's just the same thing with all serious stuff and, and all that. And, you know, you watch the NBA on TNT and you that inside the NBA show and you see Shaq and Charles Barkley just shitting on each other, trolling each other. It's like, wow, I would love if the NHL broadcast says something like that. So bring on two people that are like that because I really feel like that would drive up a lot of ratings and just bring some good data analysis to the table. None of this grit and toughness stuff or putting out hits as a good statistic to measure who's winning the game and some other stuff. So it's badly needed and I'm really happy for the NHL today as they secured two pretty prominent networks within the sports where obviously ESPN is the worldwide leader in sports, but Turner Sports has done a great job with not just the NBA in recent years, but with March Madness as well. So like I said, great news for the league. Um, Before I do end this episode today let's get to a few listener takeaways here pen 67 says you're spot on another great defensive game nothing flashy but it's very sound thought zucker was quite noticeable in his line also yeah i do agree zucker the goals are going to start coming for him he is just so snake bitten right now on pen 67 it is just not even funny i mean i think he's just overthinking it a lot right now when it comes to his chances he just needs to fire every puck that he has on net stop trying to make that extra pass or extra play or whatever and just fire it on net um, more times than not, he will score. He's too good of a player to be this snake bitten. Uh, only negative, he says, would be maybe Captain's couple of turnovers. Mind you, he was making things happen. Yeah, I-, I thought he was playing well, but yeah, he did have a couple of turnovers in the game. I think one of them led to a two on one. They're lucky that uh, Craig Smith flubbed it. I think that came in the second period when there was no score. Fry Time says, great game. Good to see Jari finally get a shutout. Yes, Jari has been great these last couple games. And Right after Mike Sullivan showed faith in him, you know, he has not disappointed, has only allowed one goal in the last 120 minutes of action. So he is your playoff starter, barring an injury or barring just a collapse down the stretch here in these last seven games. But yes, nice to see them respond to better competition. Nick Berlansky of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. Please go listen to that podcast. Another outstanding Penguins podcast with a lot of great content. Nick says Penguins protecting their own net from extremely well and makes this team dangerous if they can keep it up. Great win. Yeah, I mean, that was... Like I said, the best I've seen them protect the front of the net all season and their best defensive performance overall all season. If they continue to have performances like that down the stretch and into the playoffs, I do not think there will be a team that that can beat them in a best of seven series. Iris AJ says, great team wins, some great suffocating defense today. Jari erased the meltdown last week with his last two games. Jeff Carter is so smooth. He will be fantastic in the postseason. He won't fall in the playoffs like other midseason acquisitions in the past year. Yeah, that latter point, I 1,000% agree. This is not another Patrick Marlowe situation where he kind of forgot how to skate and his hands aren't there. He 1,000% still has his hands. I mean, he's still shooting a lot of pucks on net 
with Pittsburgh, and his skating is still very much there. I mean, he looks like he's one of the fastest players on the ice, night in and night out. And I'm so excited to see what he can do on that third line with McCann and Zucker in the playoffs. That's going to be a matchup nightmare for a lot of teams in this division, and even outside the division if the Penguins get to the Final Four. But yeah, suffocating defense, and Jari again was awesome. Alan T. Yoder, this gift until Gensel score was basically, he said it was almost like a snooze fest. Honestly, Alan, I disagree with that a bit. I think for a nothing-nothing game, uh, there was plenty of chances at both ends of the ice, more so for the Penguins. They were not uh, playing a boring game here. Um, it was mainly just both teams were forechecking well, and the Penguins' 1-2-2 neutral zone trap was really stifling Boston as the Bruins were trying to come into the Penguins' zone. Um, it, it was some good hockey, despite being a very low-scoring game. And I, you do say plenty of chances. McCann just needed to have sticks that didn't break. Some bad passes cleaned up, and it's probably not a one nothing game. Hopefully the Pens and Islanders can win Tuesday and extend this division lead. So, yes, if the Islanders do win on Tuesday, the Penguins will be uh, one point up still. But if the Penguins beat Boston in regulation, they will not only be nine points up on the Ruins, but three points up on the Washington Capitals before uh, traveling to Washington to play them on Thursday and on Saturday. But yes, as Gilbert also says, this was playoff hockey, the Crosby line. I wouldn't say it's the best line in hockey, but it's definitely up there. Yep, Carter's been great. And yes, I'm sure Bruins fans were definitely going to complain about Gensel um, there at the end because, you know, they, they did the same thing with Sidney Crosby. Uh, in the previous meeting with these two teams. So that'll do it for this episode of the Lockdown Penguins podcast. A bit longer one today, but I had a lot to get to. I really appreciate everyone listening to this one. I'll be back tomorrow night to recap the Penguins game against Boston before another episode on Wednesday to preview the Thursday night matchup against the Capitals. And then I'll have an episode on Thursday to recap that game. And also I'll be doing my locker room that day as well. So a lot of Penguins content coming to you all this week. Like I said, the next episode will be tomorrow evening after the Penguins game against the Ruins. And then Wednesday, I'll be previewing the series against Washington, mainly the Thursday game. So hope you all enjoyed this one. Um, it's a great time to be a Penguins fan. I'll say that. This team is playing lights out right now. And Mike Sullivan is perhaps having his best coaching job of his Penguins tenure this season. I know it's hard to top that 2016 season just because of how they steamrolled everyone. But the performance thus far this season, is it's getting really close to that point and it's actually a crime that he is not getting a lot of consideration for the jack adams trophy but that's my take on that again hope you all have a great rest of your monday thank you so much for listening and i'll talk to you all tuesday night